Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another incredible episode of FNO InsureTech. I am one of your many co-hosts, Rob Beller, and over there on the other side of the country from me, on the other side of the microphone is... Lee Boyd. I'm not on the other side of the country. I'm, I'm halfway in the middle. But don't you think it's fair, fair for me to say you're on the other side of the country from me, who's all the way on the left coast? But I'm in the central. I'm not on the other side. I'm far away. Okay. All right. But maybe you're more north and I'm more south. That's true. Yeah. There's, there's no disputing that. I'm in Sacramento, California. For those of you who've never heard me say that a hundred times on the podcast. And Lee is in Waco, Texas, which is not only where our headquarters is, but also where he lives. True? I do. I live in Waco. I've been here my entire life. Thank you since, for asking. Since you were how old, Lee? Zero. You were born in Waco, Texas. I was born in Waco to my, my whole life. Wow. Every what single... do you think about that, Rob? What do you think about that? I think that's like... Not the opposite of my experience, but a long way from my experience. I yeah. think that's great. Yeah, I've been here a, a long time. Would you ever leave? Uh, maybe, yeah. There's a chance. Okay. I think, I think uh, once the kiddos are gone. You, 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 well, you know one thing that I can do because I know you well? Mm -hmm. I can vouch for you. You can vouch for me. I can what vouch a great, for you. What a great wordplay. Did you like that? I like that. I can vouch for Lee that he's smart and clever and creative and curious and also going to help me do an interview today with Travis Hedge from Vouch, vouch Insurance. Vouch Insurance. Hey. What do you think of Vouch? I think that's great. I'm excited to talk to Travis. He has a very unique product, a insurance company that insures startups in the tech space. Uh, just a lot of knowledge. He is an insurance person uh, from a very young age. He's been around it, and he's he's going to be a great discussion and a great guy to, to, to talk to today. Yeah, two, two interesting things. One is he's kind of an insurance legacy guy. His parents... Uh, ran a an agency in Columbus, Ohio, and so he grew up around insurance, and that's something that he has in common with you, right? You're it you're, is. I mean, you've been around insurance your whole life, yep, career I've been and around. growing up. Yep, and and we have that in common, and and by by that you know the lingo, you know the information, you know what people are talking about whenever it comes to insurance, and that's a great advantage that Travis has. And the other thing is, is that. One of the ways that we know about Vouch, that could vouch for Vouch, if you're into vouching, is that my son's startup, my son's tech startup, is insured by, ready for this? 
I am. Ouch. Shocker. Shocker. That is so, crazy. But yet, but yet you didn't know that until the interviews right? that's correct. just starting. Yeah. That's correct. In fact, Brand I reached out to Alex and I said, hey, we're going to have Vouch Insurance on. And they, they are a YC company. They're a Y Combinator company. What do you know about him? And he looked him up on his little internal thing that he has for that we think is called Bookface uh-huh. from YC. And so he could give me some information there. But he didn't even realize at that point in time, because this isn't the area of his company that he works in, that their insurance provider is Vouch. So they've made a lot of inroads. They have a lot of people working there already. And you'll see from the interview that both Lee and I think it's a, a real winner. Well, why don't we do it? Why don't we jump on in and, and have a good conversation with Travis? Okay, then take us home, Lee. Well, so today we are going to get to talk to Travis, and here he is, Travis Hedge with Vouch Insurance. Hey, everybody. We are here with our guest today who's coming to us from my home state, California. We always like when we have Californians on, even though you're an adopted Californian. Isn't that true? That's right. Okay. We have Travis Hedge on with us today, the co-founder of Vouch Insurance, which is a super interesting business that we're going to talk a lot about. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob Lee. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Let's jump right in and talk about Vouch. Cool name. Very interesting company. Tell us what Vouch is and what you guys do. Yeah, so Vouch, all we do is business insurance for technology companies. So it's everything that you know an early stage startup might need from general liability to cyber, you know, 10 different lines of coverage. We make it super simple for businesses that get covered in less than 10 minutes. It's active same day. And what's unique about us is that, you know, the listeners of this podcast will understand we're an MGU. So we do everything from the application all the way through to claims. And because we're so narrowly focused on this market, you know, we think we do a better job than anybody else is serving the needs for fast growing uh, technology companies. Well, that was pretty concise. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's practiced that one. I've only done it a couple times. Yeah. I, I mean, usually when I ask that question, it's like five minutes later that we get to the next question. So you kind of caught <laughs> us off guard here. But seriously, your customers, your focus is on startups, right? Yeah. My question is, what makes a startup different than a traditional company? How is that different? So it's a great question. The one thing that, to keep in mind here is, and actually, okay, this is where I'll ramble on for a little bit. If you take a step back for a second and look back across history, right, you have all these waves of technological and economic revolutions. And we've been living in sort of the, the emergence of the information era, right, with the microprocessor 50 years ago. And today, technology is really becoming the established industry. And it's unleashing a whole other wave of innovations, whether it be AI, drones, autonomy, you name it. And so, frankly, I'm surprised that there hasn't been an underwriting organization to date so narrowly focused on this category, right? Technology companies globally spend over $60 billion a year on commercial insurance. It's the fastest growing segment. And yet, when we sat down and look at you know, how traditional carriers classify these businesses today, for instance, they classify them in one of about five categories. And for some carriers, one of those is still CD manufacturing. And so, mm-hmm. I think fundamentally... We saw an opportunity to redefine, redefine um, how technology companies manage risk. And not just, you know, I think when you look back across these waves, there's two kinds of risks that tend to emerge. 
One is fundamentally new liabilities related to new kinds of products, right? You go back to the steam engine, you name it, there are new risks that are created that we need to respond to. Secondly, it also presents opportunities for fraud, misinformation, ambiguity, uncertainty, et cetera. And so I think from a societal perspective, we have an opportunity to make a really big impact there in terms of how society deals with the risks associated with the change brought on by some of the fastest growing, most impactful, most innovative companies across the board. We're starting by focusing on early stage startups because um, well, we're a better place to start, right? We have the opportunity to help these companies really define their, their insurance programs, their risk strategy from day one and redesign the process. And that narrow focus has helped us build a far better experience and better products specifically for that market. And our aspiration is to grow with these companies through IPO and really become the de facto insurance provider for innovative businesses globally. Was there an aha moment here? I mean, did, how did you guys stumble onto this niche, which I think is a, a brilliant niche to, to go after, but what got you there? A couple of different elements. This I, I mentioned to you guys previously, you know, my parents are both independent agents in Columbus, Ohio, and they built their business, really provided me opportunity in life by working with other small businesses. And, you know, they unfortunately that we had seen sort of cyber threats towards their business. Fortunately, they made through it. They're doing just fine, doing great. But it got me thinking a few years ago a lot about the tools and services that entrepreneurs have at their disposal to battle the same risks that a Fortune 500 company is facing but with a fraction of the resources. Similarly, I was fortunate to have the opportunity to work with companies like Root Insurance and Ladder Life and others um, when I was in sort of the venture capital world over the last few years. And really these ideas started kind of mixing together. And at the same time, I was talking to some founders, some friends about their experience buying insurance. And I'm looking at like this, you know, 10 page cyber application that's asking a bunch of nonsense questions entirely on a PDF. And eventually, you know, really started looking for a company like Vouch to work with and sort of working on the pitch, talking to potential co-founders and was really fortunate to, to meet my co-founder, Sam, a couple years ago. And we, we really decided that now was the time to build a company from the ground up like Vouch. I'll tell you that the big aha moment for me, though, was we knew this was a problem. We knew it was worth solving. We were very focused on kind of our full stack approach. But it was when I lived this personally that it really I was it validated why we were doing this. And yeah. two things happened. One was we were in our co-working space. We're in a WeWork. This is a couple of years ago. And we were getting our first BOP, our first business owner's policy. Go to you know some of the digital brokers and end up with like had to cut a physical check to the carrier that they never received. And like everything was just a messy, complicated process. A few weeks later, we're applying to get licensed as a producer in California. And, uh, you know, we need e &O. So we go out, go out to the market. We get declined by over 10 carriers for lack of financial condition. So at this point, we had raised our Series A. We had $25 million on the balance sheet, but no <laughs> revenue. And we got declined by every single carrier for financial condition. And we're like, okay, chicken and egg thing here. We need the mm -hmm. license to get the revenue, like help us out. Right. It, it slowed down our initial sort of test, um, you know, launch conversations in market by about nine weeks. And wow. so like that's Which in your world is forever. Absolutely. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's crazy. Um, I mean, look, the typical startup raises 18 months of one way. To be delayed by over two months is life and death. And so yeah. that's, um, you know, we take a lot of those learnings and, and that's, I think, part of the reason why we're so fortunate to focus on this market, because we are the market. We can under, we understand those problems and we can solve for them ourselves. Rob and I talk a lot about startups within the technology world. 
And every so often I come up with an idea and I'm like, that would be a really neat deal. Then I think, I don't know anything about technology. I don't know anything about startups. And I wouldn't even know what insurance I might need. Are there certain insurances out there that you sell that sometimes startup companies don't even know that they need? (laughs) The last part was actually really a key point. The startups don't know they need. Frankly, this is at the bottom of the priority list for the vast majority of founders, right? Of course, yeah. You know, I'm an insurance guy, and it was confusing for me going through the process out of the gate. A couple of things to think about. One of the things we learned early on was that repeat founders that have done this before, you know, experienced management, about two-thirds of the time, they get business insurance around company formation because they just know they need it, right? They've seen it can go wrong. They've seen it's required. Pretty much 0% of first-time founders get business insurance out of the gate. You know, one of the things we talk to them about is like, this isn't like auto insurance, like you don't need it to start the company, but it is going to be required as you grow, right? It's required by your landlord when you sign that lease. You need general liability and business personal. Customers. Your customers are a huge one, particularly in enterprise software, right? You're selling to a Fortune 500 company. This is a scenario we see all the time. You're running a pilot, right? Called a $100,000 pilot with a Fortune 500 company. Their insurance requirements are not designed for the risk profile of an early stage startup. They're designed for working right. with a more traditional vendor, right? So yeah. they're going to require, you know, ENO, Cyber, and GL for a five-person company that's going to cost them $60,000 a year on a $100,000 pilot. Like that doesn't make any sense. So one of the things that we actually encourage founders to do is get the appropriate coverage in place before you go into those negotiations because you actually have a lot more leverage to be able to say, hey, we're proactive. We've got the right thing. You can get that risk manager that sits in the middle of the organization more comfortable that you're handling things proactively than being reactive and having to get their you know $60,000 worth of coverage. My next question, which is very important to me, is did you go out and try to find a co-founder whose last name was almost exactly your name, <laughs> but just slightly <laughs> off by one letter or two? We have uh, joked about <laughs> the fact that like Hedge and Hodges you know, would make a nice traditional insurance agency, right? It would, yeah. It would have. We had actually explored at one point, I don't know if I've ever talked about this you know, publicly before, but at one point we explored on the business hedgehog, kind of playfully. It's a little bit of an internal mascot for us now. Um, Animals, yeah, I mean, kind of they're funny. kind of in right now in the naming world, so. It's true. So how did you guys get together? And I know you have a little bit different backgrounds, obviously, but how did that happen? So we met through mutual friends, friends at actually Rivet Capital, who, who led our series A introduced us, who we've both known for a long time. And it's interesting. I think when I first set out, I, I tried to build a startup in college. And one of the mistakes that I made was I just kind of put up the flag and said, hey, whoever wants to come help, come join us. And didn't think enough about the complementary pieces that you really need to build a great team and build a great business. And so, you know, as this idea for Vouch was, for me, was coming to fruition and talking to other friends and partners about it was, I knew I needed to find the right co-founder because I knew I didn't have the skills myself to build this. And so I'll be honest, initially, I really, I looked at Root, for instance, is a great example. You had Alex, actuary, the insurance expert paired with Dan, the founding CTO of Braintree, great combination of talent. When I met Sam, really something else came to the picture for me. You know, when you look at people, talent, culture are so critical, not only to building a great business for ourselves, but it's also one of the key ingredients to our companies and ensuring, you know, the best measure for preventable risk is excellent pervasive management across the organization. And so when I look at Sam, you know, he and I have very complementary. We have a similar background, but we're very different people. And so we complement each other really nicely. I think both as it relates to building a team and the things we can do out in the market, but more importantly, he's someone that I can look up to and learn from in a lot of ways, both personally and professionally. And that was something that 
five years here in, in the Bay Area, I was really seeking. Um, it's rare to find people that you know you can really work well with and and learn a lot from. And so I was, you know, we were really fortunate to start working together. And I think our his strengths as a leader and how we work together have enabled us to go find amazing people that fill our gaps, right? So Roger, our chief product officer, John Wallace, our chief insurance officer, Kelly Wolf, our general counsel, Melissa designing new programs. I mean, I, I could not be more proud of the team we've assembled. And I think I got to give Sam a ton of credit for, for really leading the way and helping us do that. You know, I want to talk about complementary pieces for a minute. I My own experience uh, as I'm a co-founder at 470 is uh, I, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole career. I've been involved in a few different businesses and I always did it alone. And 470 was really the first time I'd been involved in something and had partners. And one of the things I learned was, oh my gosh, when you have partners, you can focus on what you're good at and somebody else takes care of important things that doesn't interest you, right? Or maybe you struggle to, to do well. And so that's an interesting thing. What do you do at Vouch? Yeah, so I'm primarily responsible for all things go-to-market related, whether that partnership, sales, distribution, you name it. It's my primary responsibility. To your point, when you're building a company, you kind of do a little bit of everything and then kind of fill in the gaps along the way. So, uh, but yeah, my, my primary responsibility is everything go-to-market. And what's your guys' headcount today? We're about 50 today, uh, roughly oh, wow. equally split between uh, the Bay Area and Chicago. I'll tell you one quick thing, to your point around kind of filling out the complement pieces. I remember really clearly early on in the business, myself, Sam, a couple of our first hires, we had, we're whiteboarding out our initial insurance programs. And I was leading the charge on that because at the time I was the person most experienced in the insurance world. You grew up in insurance. Yeah. And so John came in fourth or fifth employee, I think. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what great looks like. And then every kind of step along the way, you know, you bring someone in you're like, oh, I actually had no idea what I was doing. That's world-class. And that's just really cool to see. That is really cool. I always love hearing that. One more thing on the complimentary pieces. I saw that Alex Tim is part of your organization somehow or another, right? He's called an advisor. I assume mm-hmm. he's on your board maybe. I mean, Root, a great story. How did that happen? That must be that must be a tremendous benefit for you guys. Alex and I worked together at Nationwide. Ah. We were, you know, he and I, I remember we were part of the same like associate development program. I remember we'd have these like happy hours and he and I would just like be in the corner arguing about things that if you know, Alex, that's pretty typical for his personality. And he and I, I remember when I moved to the Bay area, I spent the first few months really excited about all the shiny objects, right? Drones and AR VR and all these really cool things. And after a few months, I was like, you know, that insurance thing I spent my whole life around, you know, I came from nationwide. I should go spend some more time there. So the first person I called was Alex because he was the smartest person I knew in insurance. Like when we were at nationwide, he was, the boy genius that was, I mean, everybody in the company knew who Alex was. He's like, actually, I just left Nationwide last week. Drive Capital just gave me a couple million dollars to go start this new company. So he and I would talk every couple months. Eventually, I helped him get the regulatory capital he needed to become a carrier in the state of Ohio. We co-led his Series B with Ribbit Capital. Yeah, we've just been, you know, stayed very close ever since. And it's been great having him and some other folks that we knew through that process, you know, around the business. He's, you know, advisor. We're supposed to you know, catching up again next week. So very fortunate to frankly have friends like that to help guide us along the way. Yeah, it's very important to have the right people helping and, and guiding along the way. We've heard more stories about people who really rely on those advisors and it's, it's, it's such a great asset to have. Why don't you walk us through a little bit of what it was like to start the company? And, you know, I was reading here, you're a Y Combinator graduate. Walk us through a little bit, you know, after the, you know, conception of the idea, 
What was it like going to Y Combinator? What were some of the steps you took before you actually launched the product? You know, it's interesting. Things were, we've been thinking about this for so long and talking about it for so long. And then it just feels like things move. So once we decided to press go, things just happened so quickly. Uh, we were fortunate to have uh, our friends at Ribbit, our friends at Silicon Valley Bank, um, YC, really involved in the conversation from very early on in the business. And we went through YC in summer of 19 before we had an insurance product, right? And so if you think about for YC, it was a great experience for us because those are our customers. Those are our peers. And so right, right. it was, we didn't have an insurance product yet though, right? I mean, we- That's almost unfair. <laughs> hey, this is, you, you got to get yourself as many unfair advantages as you can in this, in this business. Absolutely. And so as we're going, there are two, two really interesting things from my perspective about that experience for us. One was we were targeting Utah as our first launch market, great venture ecosystem there. And, you know, in insurance regulations, they gave us line of sight into when we could really plan the rest of our launch. And so I'll come back to that in a second. So that, that launch, we were targeting August. The end of the batch was also August. Uh, as a matter of fact, we launched on uh, the day before demo day. <laughs> and so we, we actually used that as an opportunity to test some of the other things that we want to do with the business. So because we underwrite the entirety of a company, right? We don't take apparel or kind of line of business-based approach. We underwrite the entirety of a business, which means that we have skin in the game and more of an invested interest, we think, than anyone else to ensure that they have the access to the tools, services, and ability to do things the right way, right? It's no longer, we're living in a moment where it's no longer acceptable to move fast and break things. Companies need to really build a solid foundation to scale for a long time to come. And so what we built last summer while we were going to YC was what we call our startup risk assessment. And that was really V1 of, of more that is to come from Vouch around helping startups understand not just their insurable risks and what kind of insurance they need, but really risk comprehensively across their business. So really simple things that a lot of startups get wrong. Like, do you have an employee handbook? I remember I had one founder tell me like, why do I need an employee handbook? That's ridiculous. And then I kind of walked him through. He's like, oh yeah, you're right. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, really little simple things like that that most businesses know to do, but a lot of startups don't. One of the things you're dealing with is, I mean, we've all heard the stories about, you know, some guys are in their garage and they're starting up. Maybe they're very, very, very tech savvy and tech oriented, but these aren't business people. Yeah. Insurance is really a business concept, right? As a business owner or as, as somebody who's running a co-founder, you're running a business. Insurance fits into that, not so much into the product, right? And although it could, that must be a unique part of what this is, is you are probably starting from zero with a lot of people. Let me explain what insurance is. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've had many people who've never owned a home or had to have property insurance of any kind. Some maybe have never even had auto insurance, right? Absolutely. And I think our job is twofold there. One is to make it incredibly simple so that they can get back to building their business, right? The second, though, is to be that trusted resource for them. We do it both through education within the product, the content, through tools, but also by having great people that they can trust. You know, one of the things that I remember from my time at Nationwide was this data point around. 60% of people will always want a human agent. And I, I remember at the time thinking that that was nonsense, that ah, like we'll see about that in 20 years. I actually, I'm not sure that that, that is ever going to go away. We find that about 50 to 60% of our customers, the most tech forward, tech savvy of any customer base, want to get on a Zoom call and walk through the platform with one of our people. 
it's entirely self-serve. So can be, they can go through, you know, we have people that get $10,000 worth of insurance wow. in less than 10 minutes, but that they, they value that trust, that educational experience. And it helps that like all our people do is work with venture backed technology companies all day that uniquely understand the business. So I could talk all day about this. You were just talking and it made me think about you're dealing with companies who who don't know how to run a company. They know that they have an idea, they have a good concept, but they may not have an MBA. They may not have ever started a company before. Part of your role, I guess, is to really educate these companies on how to be successful and how to reduce the risk. Because isn't that part of your game too is, yeah, I'm going to cover the risk, but I also need to help them reduce the risk. Is that part of the mission? Absolutely. And it's, you know, well more to come in the months ahead on, on other things that we can do there. Which is one of the things I'm most excited about, frankly. Not just, I think, to help, you know, yes, it's going to help our underwriting profits and it's going to help our business. But like I mentioned, you know, previously, I have all the opportunity I have in life because my parents were able to start a small business and give me some of that opportunity. And to be able to help people build better businesses and have that impact on their family and their community is a mission that I think drives us every day. Talk about for a second, being an insurance legacy. Obviously, it gives you more information, but I mean, you must feel a, a special kind of connection to insurance. That's not a question that we almost ever ask anybody on our podcast. So you're kind of you're kind of unique in that regard. You know, a couple, gosh, it might have been three or four years ago, as Root was taking off, as insurance was becoming increasingly more important in my career, not just insurance, but entrepreneurship, I went on Etsy and found this hammer and was able to get it engraved and said, and I can't take credit for this. I was inspired by, I saw this somewhere. It said, you know, thank you for giving me the tools to build my dreams. And like, I, I mean that, um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's really powerful. You know, it's interesting. My dad didn't do a ton of commercial PNC, did a little bit. So like the direct relevance isn't as there, but yeah, it's part of, uh, I guess what drives me every day. So I'm interested in the, reinsurance part of this or you know i'm so used to dealing with insurance carriers on weather claims and property and all that is there reinsurance you have to go out and get i imagine there's large catastrophes that could happen cyber or things like that pandemic pandemics right well why don't we go down that road yeah. a little bit why don't we talk a little about that how did the pandemic affect your client what happened there yeah so it is interesting i mean our 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 customers were less affected than I would argue other industries have been. They've been, you know, fortunately they're nimble tech focused companies that have been able to adapt relatively quickly. I'm remembering back in March when a lot of things started to unfold, we did have a couple of folks reach out asking about, you know, coverage implications. And I think one of the benefits of our model is that we have in-house, you know, Tasha, our head of claims was able to help provide them with some complimentary guidance and legal resources even though we weren't able to, you know, help cover claims related to you know, specific pandemic-related incidents. That said, I think the bigger impacts for our customers, we're seeing three big things right now. On the one hand, you are seeing fraud go through the roof, right? Whether that be wire transfer, cyber attacks, you name it. And startups are actually uniquely vulnerable to that. If you think about you're a company with a handful of people and you've just announced your $10 million fundraise. And so like that is a giant flag to have. Hey, look at like, me. Right? That's what I have. <laughs> yeah. And so one thing we always tell people is like, get covered before you announce your round, please. And so we're, we're seeing a rise in that. We're seeing DNO rates are, are going up across the board. I'm sure you're hearing this elsewhere. We're hearing 30 to 50% across the board right now. Ouch. And, 
you know, we don't think that that's appropriate for our market. And so, frankly, it's we're seeing a lot of companies come to Vouch because of the, the hike in rates that we're seeing from other DNO providers. And then thirdly, CPLI. And, and this is the unfortunate reality is, yes, a lot of companies have had to lay folks off to kind of tighten the belt to weather the storm. And that, you know, will always result in wrongful, you know, more wrongful termination, lawsuits, things like that. And so those are kind of the three trends that we're seeing from an insurance perspective impacting our clients. The, the last thing I would just add is, you know, this has had different impacts on different businesses. For some of our custom companies, their business is taking off, right? They're, we're, we're getting inbound requests to revise their coverage to match new customer requirements all the right. time, while still also recognizing that uh, for a meaningful portion of our clients, this has had devastating impacts on their business. And so that's why in Q2, we announced, you know, premium give back effort. We gave back 20% of our Q2 premiums to our customers to, to recognize that, to try to do the things that we could and, and you know, complement that with some of the resources we talked about earlier in terms of guidance, tools, advice to, to help navigate through these times. Was there any kind of regulatory requirement around all the, you know, premium give backs we've seen? Because it's not just your company. I mean, most insurance companies. We, I mean, it was one of the first things we started working on through this. And then I think... A few weeks later, we saw some guidance. I want to say it was from California. I would have to ask our, our GC, Kelly. She, she's on top of these issues. But there has I know that there have been in certain states some regulatory push on that. I know what an MGA is, and I, I kind of know what an MGU is. But why don't you explain? You mentioned that vouchers an MGU. Explain what that is and how that's different than, say, an ins- a quote-unquote insurance company or a carrier. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when you think about it from the customer's perspective, sure. we looked, act, walk, talk like an insurance company, right? But if we call ourselves an insurance company, regulators don't like that. And so we're not, we are an MGU. We think of ourselves and talk about ourselves as an underwriting organization. And I think what's different about us versus maybe some of the other, obviously there's been a huge boom in MGAs and MGUs over the last few years. And we really take a far more active role in designing our policies, designing our underwriting, our claims experience, you name it, than frankly, any other MGA or MGU that I've seen. And we're really fortunate to have, I think, one, great people on the team to help us do that. You need the expertise to do it right. Secondly, we have great reinsurance partners at Munich Re that have been great to work with and helped us get here so far. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, will, I will say I think we want to um, continue pushing the, pushing the envelope on building new insurance products and, and advancing our underwriting. And we need great partners to get there. You know, no matter what, even if we're a – you look at – a, a full stack carrier, for instance, you still need great reinsurance partners. You still need to Absolutely. work really closely with regulators. So whose paper do you guys write on your policies are written on? Yeah, it's a state national. It's our uh, fronting carrier partner. Okay, cool. I want to talk about go to market since that's your thing. Let's hit on that. Yeah. I'm sitting here wondering, well, there's tons and tons and tons of technology startups running around out there. How do I get to them? Talk about your maybe your original go to market and where your go to market is today because I'm guessing it's not exactly the same. It starts with what we talked about earlier, which like from a first principles basis, why do companies buy this in the first place? And it's typically because it's required by them in every kind of step in their journey. So then you got to ask yourself, okay, well, how do they go about buying it? And what we find is that they most often will ask for some of uh, the recommendation of someone they trust. Correct. Another founder, their investor, their parents lawyer, banker, parent. We've had, literally, I've had new YC companies tell me, hey, uh, my parents said I should get insurance. We should talk. <laughs> so yeah, actually, okay, quick funny story on that one. You guys will appreciate yeah. this. Young, recent college grad, one of our customers, parents told them they need insurance. They're in YC. 
give us a call. I get an email on Sunday morning. Hey, I think we need to file a claim. You know, we're working out of our apartment and someone spilled a beer on my laptop that I, you know, my work laptop. I think we need to file a claim. I'm like, cool. Here's the link. Like, no worries. Thought that was going to be our first claim. Got another email like five hours later. Just kidding. We saved the laptop. Good to go. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That was awesome. So where were we? Okay. So why do companies get insurance? So not only do they reach out to trusted advisors, but let's be honest, 90% of them are still going to Google this at some point anyways. So we have to do the table stakes, foundational marketing efforts of having an online presence, delivering great content, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Right. But what is unique about our business model? And, and you know, it takes folks a while to kind of wrap their head around this sometimes is it is a very word of mouth driven model, right? Our aspiration is to, as I've mentioned before, to become the de facto insurance carrier for innovative businesses. And to do that, it takes building trust and driving that referral mechanism, getting founders and the people they trust to vouch for us. And so we start with YC, right? They set the standard in a lot of ways as it relates to best practices for early stage companies. We look at Silicon Valley Bank. We're incredibly fortunate to be working with them. They bank over half of venture-backed startups. Integrating with their platform helps us go a long way. But we look at each of those trigger events that I mentioned before, right? Whether it be signing the lease with the landlord, raising your Series A and getting that DNO, getting that customer contract, and really trying to insert ourselves at those milestone moments that matter most to a company and working closely with the people that they most trust. And I think what's been really cool to see is that was our intent from day one. And you know, so far, that's, that's working really well. And now that we've been in market for a few months, now the founder referrals of, of them referring vouch to each other are really starting to take off, which has been, has been really cool to see. I want to talk about being an insure tech carrier or an InsureTech underwriter versus being a traditional carrier. One of the big differences that I see, like we had a soft one on from Hippo, um, who I would say is you know comparable to you. I mean, he's a he's an InsureTech underwriter. Tremendous transparency, right? As opposed to the traditional carrier model, not this big ivory tower that's kind of intimidating off in the distance, and. Um, that you kind of need an agent in order to approach it. Is transparency kind of a cornerstone of what you guys do? How, how are you different from a traditional carrier? Yeah, well, I think I think it has to be, right? Because we've, we've taken different layers out of the equation. We have a direct relationship with our customers. And so we try to be as transparent as possible with them about, you know, different things as it relates to our products, pricing, et cetera. I think where that really matters is when it comes to claims and, and giving folks that transparency and confidence into, look, we're talking about the, the risks that we insure often result in you know extended litigation. And so I think building that trust and that transparency is, is just table stakes for us and something we talk about all the time. Yeah, I think it's, it's critically important. Do you find that your customers are more interested in that I mean, is, is that something that they're acquiring more because they kind of work in that world? There's an incredibly low level of trust in this industry. They sort of come in with an inherent skepticism yeah. towards insurance, right? And so we have to earn that trust. I could actually, trust is a concept I could talk a lot about here because when you think about the intent of insurance in the first place, business insurance in particular, it's to really facilitate trust between multiple parties, right? So it's not only trust with the insured that we need to build, but it's also trust with their counterparties, right? Their customers, their investors. So far, you know, I think we're on a good path towards achieving that mission, but that'll never go away. As we come to a close, talk for a second about trust. Let's talk about trust. I love that because our company provides services to 
carriers. All of our customers are either carriers or MGAs. And the more you're trusted, the typically the more business you get, right? And so, but trust is, it's, it's really a kind of a cornerstone in, in the industry we work in. Talk about how it is in yours. Why is it important? It comes back to the recommendations of people that they trust, right? Let's, when it comes to, and again, I'm the go-to-market kind of co-founder. So when it comes to acquiring new business, um, I need, they need that recommendation from the fellow founder, from the investor is critical. And that all comes down to trust. And so what's been really cool to see is that that's actually enabled us to move up market and serve larger companies faster than we thought we could. So, you know, we've expanded recently to serve series B and beyond stage companies. We initially started with a focus on seed and series A that we've been able to do that because the investors they trust have gotten to know us, have, have gotten under the hood and looked at our, looked at how we do things. The Silicon Valley bank, Y Combinator, you name it, that trust has enabled us to get buyers on board, a CFO, COO, GC buyer, that we frankly thought it was going to take us longer to work with those companies, which has been really, that to me is the best example of how trust has really propelled our business forward. My last question is, what do you do, and I'm sure this has happened, the pizza parlor down the street that's been there for 15 years reaches out to you and says, hey, I need business insurance. What do you do with that? (laughs) It's really tough. Because, you know, the, the inclination of any entrepreneur, I want to, of course, I want to serve everybody we can. So we do have a list of sort of recommended referral partners that we can send folks to anytime that we can't serve business that comes in. It's one thing that we're really committed to is no matter the, the size, shape of business, we want to be as helpful as we can and build that trust long term. Because who knows, that pizza parlor, they, they might go start a new business in our world someday. And so we've got to build be that trusted resource. Secondly, um, we do have a pretty you know, well-defined underwriting box. And that is technology companies, software and hardware, right? You have to have a technological element to what you're doing. And oftentimes that means you've raised venture capital or you work with certain partners like Silicon Valley Bank that help us, you know, define our market a little bit more cleanly. Because to your point, there's a lot of different kinds of businesses out there. Well, listen, we have really enjoyed having you and appreciate Ariane who's out there making this connection happen. And we're thrilled to learn about Vouch. What a cool company. Will you, will you come back and visit w- with us again when you guys have finished conquering the world? Anytime you'll have me. Maybe we'll have to get out and do this on the golf course next I time. I wasn't going to mention that, but now that you have, we don't live that far from each <laughs> other, my friend. All right. Okay. Come in. Okay. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, you know, Lee, the more we listened to Travis talk about his company, the more total, complete sense it made to me. I think it's an incredibly uh, potent and big niche, bigger than either of us can probably imagine. I, I would agree. I think it's a big niche, and I think it's a very interesting business to start to say, I'm going to go insure technology companies who don't necessarily know how to start a company. Like there are a lot of smart people, but uh, I, I, a lot of them are just starting companies for the first time. It, it seems like a really neat idea uh, to do that, but it also has a lot of risk because you're insuring these newer companies. Uh, but it really sounds like Travis has a great head on his shoulders and he's surrounding himself with some amazing people and their future roadmap seems really neat.
I think I'm very excited to hear more about that. Yeah, but just to go after a market that is really in need, like I know that one of the reasons that Alex's company has had to become broadly insured is because of their funding. Yeah. This is an important thing. It just, I, I mean, I know insurance is important, but we work in it because we work in it every day. You kind of forget, take that for granted, maybe is the best way to say it. And, uh, and all these startups need, they need this. This is, this was, this was a real problem. Yeah. And like we said, where, where do many of these founders go? They go to their parents, they go to a friend. I mean, where do, where do any of us, how do any of us go about getting insurance? Frequently it's, uh, you know, word of mouth. It's a, so that becomes a challenging marketing uh, and go-to-market problem. How do you get the word out about this? Yeah, that's very true. You know, one of my favorite things that he talked about was finding a co-founder who can do things that he can't and how important it is to find a complementary co-founder that you can work with but has strengths that you might not have. And I haven't really thought about that. We've interviewed a lot of co-founders and I really never thought about the equation of what makes a great co-founder. I guess I went into this beforehand thinking that you're both like-minded and you both have strengths, but he's saying that it's very important to have a co-founder who can do things that you can't, who can take on challenges that you can't, and then you can do the same that, they, that they're not able to. And I thought that was neat. It kind of opened my, my eyes to that. Yeah, and there was really a lot more that we didn't even cover. Like it occurred to me later on that uh, after we finished, that we didn't ask what states they're in because they're not in all states yet. And they, st they started in Utah of all places in the world. So that was obviously a very deliberate choice that they made. You know, now they're in a number of states and just, just what that's like wading through the regulatory landscape is, must be challenging. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. I, I just think that they have a great future. Great and, future. And they, and they really serve a need that people have. And like I said, a lot of people have no idea that they need insurance and then what type of insurance because there's so many different things. You have to be proactive because your customers are going to say, do you have cyber? Do you have this? Do you have that? And to be a successful startup, you need to be in front of the curve. You need to be able to have that insurance. So that's that's great. And I just want to say that it's interesting, just once again, that we have another Columbus, Ohio connection. Mm -hmm. Columbus, Ohio is a happening technology area. It's going on. There's a lot going on there. It is. It's a, it's a big insure tech area for sure. It's a big insure tech area. And obviously, Ohio State University is doing a good job of turning out capable people. And uh, football teams. And football teams. And we want to thank Travis for being with us today and thank Vouch for giving it to us and thank Ariane for making it all happen. And thank you to all of you for listening to our crazy podcast that we love and enjoy to do. Please join us next time for our next episode. And until then, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>